How's it going, Mets and overall baseball fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Believe in Queens. This is episode now 34 here on the show. Myself, Tyler, you guys know me here on Wardy NYM on YouTube and, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. That's Anthony Recker, former New York Met, now MLB Network turn analyst, and Joe Sorala, host of the Sorala Sports Talk, all part of the Believe Network. I would first like to apologize for everyone here on YouTube that's patiently waited. We were supposed to start the show 40 minutes earlier, but unfortunately, things got set back just a little bit. So for everyone that is watching the show live on YouTube, we greatly appreciate it. But we do have a fun discussion for you all. Uh, it's going to be regarding not only the latest news and rumors for the Mets highlighted by Carlos Rodon. What's the latest on him? Do the Mets still have a connection? Yes, they do. And it's an important update that's come out earlier today. The Mets are showing interest in a reliever, that being in Tommy Canely. We'll be getting into him as well, along with some coaching updates and just sharing our raw thoughts and all the latest for the Mets as we are inching closer and closer to winter meetings that begin next week. But before we get into it all for the rest of the show, Joe, what you got for me, my man? Got that bet online read for you, Wardy. By the way, to everyone who's been waiting patiently, my apologies. It's a bit sharing studio space. But bet online, that's the show's sponsor. So head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V, BELIEVE, for your first time, one time 50% welcome bonus. Bet online will match any deposits between $50 and $1,000 if you use that promo code BELIEVE. So head on over there, get your bets in. For what do we got going on right now? NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, hockey. Everything's going on right now. MLB futures. World too. Cup, baby. World Cup. World Cup. Well, U.S. Baby you putting his body on the line. For the USA. Like, come on now. Head on over to Bet Online. Get those bets in. It's where the games begin. Yeah. Shout out to Pulisic again. The Hershey boy himself, too. Oh. You know, oh, absolute beauty. Literally, he's in a hospital bed taking a selfie, saying he's so proud of the boys, and he's expected to be ready for Saturday's match against Netherlands. Love to see that. Sacrificing his bits for his country. Yeah, exactly. Um, but guys, we, we do have a fun discussion today, putting the World Cup aside for a minute. And I do want to let you all know that there are some quick coaching updates to share. That is regarding... Yes, that being Bjornsson, who is the Mets' current bullpen coach. He's actually out, I should say, in that role. Jeremy Hefner is now going to be looking for someone to hire there in that position. Of course, it was longtime Ricky Bones. He's now with the Washington Nationals. The Mets part with him. Basically, clean house last offseason. Brought in Bjornsson. Uh, uh, I can't even say his last name properly. Was with the Astros for a bit, and now he's no longer in the Mets organization. The Norwegian. The Norwegian. Bjornsson. <laughs> there you Bjornsson. go. Uh, we also the got. Power lifter. The Mets have changed. Yes, that I grinded watching all videos on powerlifters for a while. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, but now let's get I don't into know what grinded means in that sentence, but I'll just roll with it. Grinded means, uh, you know, you a little concerning. when you grind uh, something. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm like a little bit worried that you were grinding to some guys working out. And no, like, I'm not oh, thinking just... like that, you schmuck. When I'm I say, just, I don't know. Let me explain real quick. Grinding in the sense of. If I'm grinding content, let me explain, guys. Let me explain my grinding. Teach his own, you know. Do your thing. Do your thing, Morty. We love you, man. You you ruined it. It's if I'm grinding content, for instance, it's by working on my content for an extensive period of time. I think what's making it worse is you're explaining it. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll I'll just shut the fuck up. Okay. Now let's get. The coaching staff, bench coach, that is Eric Chavez. He has been promoted from the original position of being hitting coach. This should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody. When the Mets originally made this hire, prying him away from the Yankees last offseason, I fully expected that he was basically just going to be in the hitting coach role for at minimum a year, if not two, and that would move up 
to the bench coach because he's very well has a great chance of being the next manager for the Mets once Buck Walker's time in Queens is done, which is not anytime soon, hopefully. Uh, Glenn Sherlock, who was in that position, was basically in that as a filler role for a year. He is now going to be working with catchers for the Mets in the 2023 season. And Jeremy Barnes has now been moved up to the hitting coach for the Mets as of now. So that's all the latest from the coaching staff. Uh, Rex, starting with you, anything that you would like to add, especially with Chavez, because he had quite the impact on the Mets in their hitting approach this past year, and now he's going to get a step closer to potentially being manager down the road. Yeah, look, this is a very respected baseball mind. Um, it's no accident that Billy brought him in with the Mets, um, you know, in the hitting coach role. But it was really just to get him in-house and make sure that they had Eric Chavez on the payroll so that they could quickly move him up the ladder. Um, he's seen by many in the baseball world as an ascending star when it comes to potentially being a manager one day. Um, you know, knowing him as – want to say as well as i do but as i do um he is going to do do extremely well uh one day as a manager and so to have him in that bench coach role um learning from buck but also adding to what's going on here i i hesitate when people say oh he's gonna learn from buck so much realistically the idea of a coaching staff is bringing together different ideas different thoughts and different minds to form a cohesive and collective um, game plan strategy. And so guys like Eric, just think about the game in a little bit different way. So as he's learning from Buck, Buck's going to be learning from him and they're going to be learning from Jeremy and they're going to be learning from Jeremy Hefner. Like, I mean, it's, it's going to go round and round. And and so I'm really excited for, for the Mets. Um, Jeremy Barnes did some great things as an assistant hitting coach last year, as the hitting coach, it's going to be a very similar philosophy, very similar, um, you know, style of, of approach. Hopefully they're able to hit the ball out of the ballpark a little bit more because outside of that, they did everything else really well as an offense collectively. So to me, it, it just comes down to getting the right bats in place in that, in that, from that perspective. Otherwise, Jeremy Hefner has been fantastic as your pitching coach. Um, so him staying in that role doesn't surprise me looking for another bullpen coach, actually more of a, from what I heard the reports, more of a pitching assistant coach. Um, who will also serve as the bullpen coach. So someone who's really going to come in with some different ideas, um, you know, and shake things up a little bit too. Uh, that's what the Mets are trying to do. There's many different ideas, minds, um, and it's it's a great philosophy. I love what they're doing. Um, Billy Epler, that front office, Buck, they're all pushing the right buttons, and, and I think this is nothing but good news for the Mets. And – Oh, I want to ask you now, when you talk about the Mets and trying to get as much minds as possible in this coaching staff, I am curious as to how much, if at all, this move that the Mets just made within uh, internally on their coaching staff had to do with the Carlos Beltran situation of recent. For those that don't know, just around a week, week and a half ago, uh, the Mets did interview Carlos Beltran as they were trying to get him on the coaching staff. And according to reports, because a month uh, left in the regular season apparently came out that the Mets were expected to be going in on Beltron this offseason for a coaching role because last offseason uh, before the Mets hired Buck uh, right as he did actually I should say Buck was a heavy advocate for having Beltron on his staff however at the time Mets front office was not in favor of the move things quickly changed as Buck did a great job for the Mets throughout the 2022 season and now Buck was trying to get him back on his staff so Beltron, however, denied the Mets for whatever role it was that they were approaching him with. 
So starting off with you, Joe, um, what's your thoughts about that? Because I'm curious. Like, I kind of wish we found out what role exactly the Mets were trying to get Beltron for because I, I was always someone that if Beltron would come to the Mets, it would make perfect sense if you would have him in, say, a bench coach role should he want to have aspirations of being a manager in the league. And as, as we know, he was for the Mets for like a hot five minutes. So give me all your thoughts about that. I'm curious. Yeah, what, what exactly was uh, Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphreys or Carlos Beltran's stint as manager of the Mets? I think they were both <laughs> in that 90-day reign. Um, yeah, you know, to me, the, the Eric Chavez to bench coach role definitely is because Beltran turned that exact role down. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that that would have been an incredible staff having Buck be the manager, Beltran on the bench coach, and Chavez as the hitting coach, given, you know, the incredible strides this Mets team made offensively last year. I know we talk about them coming up short a little bit in the power department, but you know, this was still one of the best hitting teams in baseball, right? Bottom five in strikeout rate, top five in contact rate. Um, you know, they, they were a great offensive team, even though at times, you know, the power was lacking. So there's no doubt that's the role Beltram was offered. And I get him turning it down. You know, he was hired a couple of years ago to be the manager of this team. I could see how you could take that as, you know, a demotion or as insulting to then be asked to come back and be the bench coach. Um, but I, I love the Chavez move to make him the bench coach. You know, I think you guys both touched on this pretty well, but he's going to be a manager in this league sooner rather than later. And, you know, I, I see this being a type of situation where, hey, maybe this year, next year, Buck goes out there, you know, finally, like Dusty Baker just did, writes the ship, wins the World Series, and then can retire off into the sunset and kind of hand the reins to a guy like Chavez. But I also think that, you know, having Chavez and having Buck as essentially your top two minds your top two coaches in the dugout i think that it's incredible because you have the balance of buck i always say is the smartest guy in the diamond on either team either dugout and then you've got chavez who has that newer school approach jeremy hefner that newer school approach whereas buck is just an old school brilliant baseball mind and then you get you know two really young top assistants under him i personally love it what about you wreck i just have to add that chavi's not that young just hopefully he watches this and he gets to you know sees that little dig but outside of that i yeah. I, I already said i, I think shabby's gonna be great in this role um i love the way this coaching staff sets up and and i think it's nothing but good news for mets fans awesome and before we advance further in the show i just want to thank everyone here again on youtube if you're watching live or on replay don't hesitate from smashing that like and subscribe button greatly appreciate it. and of course make sure to rate review wherever you get your audio podcast i did want to address two comments quick donations Pat with a $5 donation says, Wardy, I've changed my outlook on life. The Braves do suck, so give me a hell yeah. So inside joke we were doing throughout the year, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not exactly sure who started this in my live chat on YouTube for post-game shows, but they would ask, donate, and say, you know, give me a hell yeah if the Braves suck or something like that. So as the chat would spam, hell yeah, I would yell at the same. So appreciate that, Pat. Hell yeah, indeed. Ed, thank you for the $2 donation. Says everyone learns from Professor Buck. It's baseball 101. Absolutely. So thank you guys for the donations. We appreciate it. But now let's get into the news that came out today for the Mets. As we know, it has been a slow roll of an offseason thus far. We fully expect that to pick up quite a bit with the winter meeting starting next Monday around December 5th. So we did see a report from Michael Mayer at Mets Mariser earlier today coming out that, yes, while there's already around 10 teams, according to John Heyman, showing interest in this reliever, the Mets are now one of them in Tommy Canely, the former L.A. Dodger, longtime New York Yankee, New York native, a guy that's bouncing back finally after dealing with Tommy John surgery. He's only pitched around 14 innings since the 2019 season. However, he finally made 
uh, his debut this year down the stretch in late September with the Dodgers and around 13 innings or so had a sub three year Ray really strong numbers for him. And again, the life with the fastball still there hovering between mid to high nineties, the change up that he spans almost at 80% of his arsenal right now is still at 90 <laughs> miles per hour. So starting with you wreck, I know that you had intentions of talking about Tommy before this report even came out. So let everyone know about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked him as a, a sneaky dark horse type candidate for this roster uh, as someone who could potentially come in and fill actually a pretty prominent role towards the back end of the bullpen and wouldn't cost a ton. Uh, look, I think with this Mets team, need to some guys because realistically, oh, they hold, are... Hold on one sec, Rick. Now, yeah. now oh, oh, yeah. it's not me for a change. You're having I audio got a phone issues. call coming in here. Come on, let's let's go. Oh, you're getting computers. a phone call? Yeah, how about that? Phone, what? My oh, you, computer, oh, you have a Mac? Phone call. M- Mrs. Wrecker is wondering where he is. No, 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 no. Uh, um, well, why'd actually, you lock the door and disappear an hour ago, honey? Hold on, hold on, hold on. The computer's right. actually hooked up to her phone, so that was her getting a call, not me. Okay, uh, well, we're, we're going to yep. need a minute because Mr. Staggy over here. Let, be, before we get to you, Wreck, let's, let's go to you, Joe. Let's is talk about Tommy. Is it, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you sound terrible. Going to you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Going to you, Joe. What's your thoughts on this report for Tommy? I haven't really heard anything about it when we discussed it off air. So I'm, I'm just so glad it's not me this time for a change. Um, as far as the report, look, I mean, Canley's a proven guy. He's a guy who's pitched in big markets, a guy who's pitched in high leverage situations. I think you know, this team, this bullpen really needs some proven guys back there. The Marlins deal we talked about, you know, I really didn't like that deal. Still don't really like that deal. Um, the kid we got from the Yankees, I like him a little more, but he's unproven. You know, in this case, go get Canley. I know that he's been out. He's missed some time with injury lately. Um, but, you know, it, it's a guy who hopefully is still throwing gas. I mean, he was pumping 97, 98, change up in the, you know, high 80s, low 90s. I, I mean, he's got to change up with nearly three feet of vertical break. Right. Like, like, what was he working with his last season and uh, his last full season? 32 inches of vertical break. You know, that thing going down and away, it, it neutralizes lefties, makes him pretty much equally as effective when you look at his splits versus righties and lefties. I, I think he's a great guy to have in that pen for high leverage situations. I think especially you're talking about, you know, like Bane for your buck. He's not someone that's going to likely cost you $10 million, even on a one-year deal. I, I would be right. pretty surprised by that, you know? Right. I, I'd be shocked if he's more than five or six. Exactly. I think his reputation can only take him so far. And even though that, yes, he, he has at least 10 teams as of now showing interest in him, even if the Mets overpay by, say, tops a million, you're still looking at a very affordable reliever that's looking for a fully healthy bounce back year. And he's coming off a Tommy John, which I think is important. It's not like an Alex Reyes situation that I actually just did a video on my channel yesterday because he is a fellow reliever that high risk, uh, high risk when it comes to his injuries. But the reward is very much there with electric stuff. He's dealt with shoulder ailments for his entire career, which you can understand the criticisms more than a Canely, who, yes, he's 33, but he's coming off of Tommy John now. He's looking to be fully healthy. He's someone that can surely have a nice impact at an affordable cost for a Mets team that, like any other team, is not going to be able to buy their entire bullpen. So, Rack, going back to you, let's let's try this one more time. Uh, give me your thoughts on Tommy, what you had heading into the show prior to this report. Yeah, I mean, you guys discussed some of... Do I sound better now? Yes. Much. Beautiful. Good. Um, you guys touched on some of the stuff I was going to say. So I'll just get into the thing that I think is going to help Tommy in this season 
Um, he was a guy when I faced him back in 16, 17, he was going up and down with the White Sox at the time. Um, and we, I was, I was in AAA up and down with the Braves, big leagues, AAA with the Braves that year. And so we saw each other a few times. Um, he was a guy who, when he worked slowly, he got destroyed. Like, I mean, it just wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Um, and we would get him off his, out of his comfort zone. We would call timeout. We would do things to mess with him and he would get flustered. Um, rule change, pitch clock. They had the pitch clock in AAA that year, but there were ways to kind of work around it and, you know, kind of mess with guys. Um, basically, what I'm saying is he he's going to benefit from this, uh, you know, having to pitch with pace all the time. Um, that was literally the only thing that we noticed that we could really jump on with him. Otherwise, he was pretty darn good. I mean, but we lit him up sometimes because we got him to work a little slower. So basically what I'm saying is this coming year, I expect him to have a big year because – He's not going to be able to work slowly. He's going to have to work with pace. Um, I'm sure Jeremy Hefner and the staff are going to figure that stuff out and know that and, um, you know, preach it to him anyway, even without the with or without the the pitch clock. But realistically, I think it only sets up a, a really big year for Tommy. And again, it's a guy with really good potential that you can get, um, you know, at a good, better value. I'm not going to say good value. He's still going to cost you six, seven million dollars a year, but um, at a good value, at a better value. And it's going to be, something that benefits the Mets in the long run because they have a lot of other holes they need to fill. And when you have that many holes you need to fill, I don't care if you have Steve Cohen or not, you can't throw $30, $40 million at every hole. It just doesn't work that way. So, yeah, it's going to be – I like him, you know, as a potential signing for the Mets. He was kind of one of my dark horses, uh, you know, coming into the offseason, and he was someone that I I had kind of circled for the Mets to to go after. Really interesting little uh, bit on Tommy Canely, by the way. I just saw this. First off, he's from New York, from the Albany area. Yep. And uh, he played his college ball at D2 Lynn University down in Boca in Florida. That was one of the uh, few D2 schools that recruited me out of high school. So <laughs> that was like the second school oh. I visited was Lynn University. Wow. What yeah, one of the that? few places in Florida where it snows. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Tommy. I didn't know there was a place. A couple, couple colleges down there. Yeah, I think one of the more appealing things I like about Tommy is not only the fact, and I know it's kind of bizarre to say this, how I'm actually encouraged that his injury history is strictly Tommy John for the most part. I I know that might seem bizarre, but again, we've seen so many pitchers bounce back from Tommy John fine. And the fact that in a small sample size, his arsenal is still very much there. We didn't see a drastic dip in his velo. He doesn't have current ailments that we know of. It's not a Dellen Patanza situation because I know a lot of Mets fans draw to that mindset. Anytime you talk about a former Yankee reliever, even though he's just recently with the Dodgers, people are even doing the same thing to an extent with Adam Onovino. And I know that both you and I, Joe, have a stronger opinion on a positive notion on Adam than Wrecker does, which is funny considering Adam was actually on MLB Network today. I got to make sure I rewatch that, see what he had to say. Yes, um, but... Point is, is that unlike Batances in this situation, Canley still has plenty to give. The life is there on his fastball and his changeup. And for what his cost is going to be on the short term, I just don't see how you go wrong in this deal. Even in the scenario where you have to overpay by say at least a million and make sure you land him. He knows what it takes to win in New York. He's from New York. He understands the market. And that's another factor that I think is very important, especially when it comes to relievers, because we know it. it just like anywhere else, it's not easy place to play when you're in New York, especially in Queens with how adamant, passionate this fan base is. I feel like Tommy would fit in 
beautifully the same way that he was comfortable being in LA, even though that it was a small sample size that as well is not an easy market to play in essentially. So yeah, a lot of positives for uh, Tommy. I did a video on him earlier today and I was trying to reroute a lot of people that watch a video to come check out the podcast. So hopefully they've done that as well. But um, from there, I guess my question for you guys is when you look at the bullpen configuration, as it is, which is very few. You know, we got Seth Lugo, Trevor Williams, two guys that are likely not going to be in the Mets bullpen next year as of now. We've seen a lot of reports that they're being marketed as starters, which makes sense for their case to really get a big bag, a multi-year deal, say elsewhere, whether they actually become a starter or be a swing man, whatever it may be. So the Mets have a lot of gaping holes in this area. And there is one guy that we know, and that is, again, Adam Adovino. There's been further reporting, again, that the Mets – he. He feels more likely than not to return to Queens at this juncture from everything that's been out there. He seems like that reliever that as crazy as it is, because we did discuss initially with Adam, the thought of two years, $20 million, no chance in hell that the Mets could, would, or should do that actually might find itself being a reality now. So Joe, for you, do you think that that is still something that the Mets should go in and do given the current state of the market? how expensive relievers are, how much Edwin Diaz quickly changed things for pitchers going <laughs> forward, or do you think it's in the best interest of the Mets to go out and try to find someone as that next Adovino, as that next Aaron Loop that you can get on a far cheaper scale, not that you're trying to be cheap, just knowing how much money you need to spend on DeGrom, Nimmo, et cetera, to get the most bane for your buck with all the money that you're spreading out this offseason. Yeah, I mean, as long as Steve Cohen's running the show, I'm not really concerned with bang for my buck or, you know, cutting costs anywhere. Yeah, um, it, it's just for me, the question is much like Aaron Loop, will Adovino turn in another year like he did last year? And I think that answer is probably not. And especially, you know, Rec, you mentioned in, in with respect to a different situation, you mentioned the pitch clock before. And, you know, Adovino with these new rules being implemented, you're only allowed, what, two uh two throwovers, right? Two pickoff attempts. I mean, he already is one of the easiest guys to run on. You can do a third, but if you're unsuccessful in picking the runner off, he advances to second base. Right. I I mean, you're already dealing with a guy who's probably, you know, the easiest reliever in the entire big leagues to run on. So now you implement that rule and that makes Adovino even less valuable. You know, I really like the guy. I appreciate what he did last year. I think he had a great season. I just don't think he's going to necessarily replicate that season next year. And, you know, I think I saw... Who was it? Danny J in our chat just asked as you were posing the question to me, you know, do we think that the Mets will re-sign Trevor May? And I hope I think Trevor May, you know, he had his injury problems last year when he got back and when he got in a groove, especially late in the year, you know, when the Mets were dropping the ball against Atlanta, against the Padres, Trevor May turned in some really ballsy outings out of the bullpen. And uh, I think that's a guy, you know, more so than Adovino, more so than Seth Lugo. That's a guy who I would like to see. And I think because of last year, because you know, his stats weren't great and he didn't play that much. I think you can get a fairly team-friendly deal. I think he wants to be a Met. I'd like to see Trevor May come back because I I, I saw some promise out of him in September. Yeah, you were adamant about that before. And I, Rec, I, I'd imagine you don't have too much more to add. I'm sure you're more so on the side of Joe when it comes to Adovino, correct? I'm I'm good on Adovino. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I get it. His, his numbers look good last year. I don't trust him. Um, I've seen it too many times. He had a great year last year, you know, numbers wise. That's awesome. He only pretty much did that one other time. Um, he had a great year in, I think it was 2019, um, maybe with the Yankees, but his whip was still a one three eight that year. Um, you know, last year was a 0.97. He only 
had a sub one couple of other times. One other time was in a free agency year. Weird. Um, so I don't I don't put stock in that. Um, if you're going to be that inconsistent, which relievers are from year to year for the most part, especially a guy like that, he's got an inconsistent track record. I'm not going to invest the amount of money that it takes to get him back on this team and potentially see two down years for it, uh, or even just one when you're a team that's, um, you know, on their way fighting for a championship. So to me, uh, I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for guys with potential. I'm looking for guys who maybe haven't tapped that potential yet because there's, at some point you're going to have to save some money and there's there's ways to build a bullpen without spending $10 million per guy, which is essentially when you're talking about Adovino and then May and then even uh, Conley. I mean, it's not going to come cheap. Canely, sorry. It's not going to come cheap. Like So at some point, like you have to save some money and it's just not, not it for me with Adovino. If you had to give upwards of $10 million, let's, let's talk quickly in the hypothetical where the Mets are likely to do this for one reliever, but not two. Would you be more willing to do that for an Andrew Chafin than an Adam Adovino? I'm not a huge Andrew Chafin fan either. Sorry. I, um, I, I mean, look, his control problems seem to have changed. Uh, yes. I caught him in 2018 spring training in Arizona and he was, he was awful. Like he couldn't throw a strike. I don't know how he got guys out. Cause I would have just gone up and just take, 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 take your base. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I get it. His track record has been much more consistent of late. So, you know, maybe there's something there. Obviously last year wasn't still wasn't his best year. Um, maybe that means he can get a little bit, you know, Mets can get him a little bit cheaper than they would have. What was it last year or two years ago when he signed with Detroit? Um, I don't know. I just not a huge fan. Not not on my radar. I want guys who are consistent, who throw strikes, pound the zone. Um, you know, they don't. If they give up a home run ball every once in a while, that's okay as long as they aren't walking guys first. That's that's the biggest thing for me. And so I, I just I hesitate when I see guys like that. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest chafing guy in the in the world either. I think that there's other lefty options. I think if the Mets, you know, really go out there and get a bunch of starters, if they go out and they get a DeGrom, they get a Senga, maybe David Peterson is, is a lefty you can turn to in the pen. And an internal option, certainly a much cheaper option if you're going to allocate more funds for the starting rotation and for other positions. Um, but yeah, you know, Chafin doesn't really... I, I'd rather personally, you know, I know he's a righty, but he's kind of a lefty specialist. I'd rather David Robertson than Chafin. Interesting. And for me, I, I think the reason why I'm putting a heavy emphasis on the Southpaw is one, Joey Rodriguez is no longer a New York Met. Thank you. Signed that yeah, that that small deal. Um <laughs> one year guarantee with potential of two with the Red Sox. I would just further show you what the Mets lacked in doing at the trade deadline and you know, bolstering the pet. They really need a lefty specialist. And their experiment with David Pearson and Joey Rodriguez was not consistent enough. David never got comfortable in the pen that we saw in his limited outings that he had out of the pen because he was between that and his starter due to injuries. And then you look at Joelle, he was someone that did have some big outings down the stretch. I will give him credit. He wasn't the worst seen every time out there, but he wasn't a reliable guy that you can consistently have in the seventh inning. And then I look at it, Andrew Chafin. What has he been doing consistently for the last couple of years? It's been a high leverage southpaw. That's something that the Mets need. So I would argue that it's almost vital for them to go out and get said lefty 
on a one or two year deal. Say you have an option after the first, whatever it will be for Chafin. I'd imagine bar minimum seven to seven and a half million dollars because he opted out of six point five with Detroit. So he's looking for a little bit of an upgrade there, uh, to say the least. But someone that understands the role can be put in those high leverage situations often and not and actually get lefties out. I mean, facing lefties, he had uh, hitters had right around, I think it was a sub 665 OPS against righties. They were even better. They were sub 600 um, with, you know, not even a 200 average. Lefties were around 230. Joely was not like that at all. So not only getting lefties out, but handling guys without a problem in high leverage situations, I want someone that's established and not a question mark and experiment in a David Pearson who I think is going to battle and very well could be the Mets opening day starter in that rotation for the fifth start, I should say. Not opening day. That's oh, why I, mean. I was going to say just opening the, day just starter. Rotation. So being I was going to say, like, when did Max starter. Scherzer die? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be your number five starter. I think there's a great chance of that. And other than that, the Mets have no confident comfortable lefties in that pen joey fuego i, I, I will gonna say, give you that's uncertainty i i will say this though regarding chafin because you talk about his experience with high leverage situations high leverage situations in detroit when you're playing for a 68 94 that team, was one year though far different far different than a high leverage situation with a team a in new york b that's kind of i, I think we can call it world series or bust moving forward yeah um so very very different definitions of high leverage and someone in the chat just mentioned, I'm really loving the action in the chat tonight, James, uh, Zach Britton. I mean, that's a guy who, you know, he's coming off injury. He, he hasn't, you know, performed at the level we've seen from a few years ago as of late, but I'd almost rather take a flyer on Britain cheap than, than go get Chafin and pay him eight to 10 mil a year. Rec, you agree with me on that one? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Britain, Britain to me, Look, when healthy, that's that's a problem. It's a question mark. I get it. He's one of the nastiest guys in the big leagues, right-handed or left-handed. It doesn't matter. Um, I was just looking up some lefty stats, and I didn't realize the Mets gave up the second most homers to lefty left-handed hitters on the year. Um, their whip as a staff was still very good. Um, low walk rate, high K rate. So the only thing they did was give up solo shots to lefties. I mean, that, that's as a staff, not as a bullpen, right? As a staff, as so a, a lot staff. of that's the starting pitchers um, as well. I could look up, I could look it up as a, as a bullpen too. Um, but realistically, I mean, it comes down to that they didn't really have any lefties. They didn't have a left-handed specialist guy. Like there was nobody you brought in to face Bryce Harper. Like you know what I mean? Like they flirted with it with with Peterson down the stretch, but it didn't really work out because he wasn't used to doing that. Um, so do, I'm still of the mind that they don't need a lefty. But seeing that those like you know some of those stats, it does at least bring to mind okay you know having one guy in there that you know is going to get out the lefty um, in that spot might be good might be a good place to invest. It's not Jerry Blevins anymore. Jerry, love you. You're not pitching anymore. So who's it going to be? Um, need to find one. Scott Rice. He was my guy back in 2013. Got all lefties out. Little change up underneath their underneath the barrel. <laughs> Loved it. He was also um, an inning eater that year, wasn't he? Oh, big time. He took the, was it, uh, was it like Pedro Figaro? No, not, not Figaro. Pedro, uh, what was his name? He, he was in that role like the two years prior in 12 and 11. Beato? Was it? Pedro Beato? He was a left-hander. I don't know. Uh, oh, Feliciano. 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 Oh, Thank you. in peace. Yeah. I always forget he died yeah. recently. And he was, yeah. he was, he was on that team a little bit in 13, but he was shot by then. They just overused him. Um, 
but Ricey kind of filled that role for us in 13. Then it was Blev a couple years later and for, for, you know, for a number of years. They haven't had like a dominant left-handed reliever outside of Aaron Loop, of course. Um, Loopy got everybody out, though. It didn't matter in that one yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Sorry, I've got a cough. It just keeps coming up. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> stop it. Sorry, Rick. I, I don't mean to be laughing at your demise. Timing is incredible. It is what it is. I can't stop. Here, I'm going to mute myself for now. So I can cough. Okay. It's uh, actually a funny cough. It's like... <laughs> It's like a dog that squalid a squeak toy. It's because I'm trying not to cough. I'm like trying so hard to keep it in. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give my I'm gonna give my final two cents. I think the thought of going after Zach Britton over someone like Andrew Chafin is asinine. With all due respect, yeah, you you were turning absurd. red when we were. Saying I think that, that's Morty. absurd. Asinine, yeah. asinine. Zach Britton was one of the best relievers. I know. in baseball and like and what what you straight. what you expect Buck to actually use him this time when it matters most. <laughs> Let's oh, okay. Wow. Shade at the manager now. Wow. Okay, Wardy. Okay. I love. I love. Kid, Buck, kid's been a Met fan like four years. Not. Just saw 101 apparently wins, not. and now apparently used to love some baggage from last year about the way he used the bullpen. I'm joking. Look, Stop he, he, it. Here's my here's my thing with throwing oh. a bag at relievers. Right, Aaron Loop just got what 13, 12 mil a year from from the Angels, and he sucked this year. Oh, and that's a, And I knew that that was perfect for the Mets not to do. It, it was an overpay from the beginning. Loop was never going to put up those numbers again. I didn't think he would be this bad this year, but again, it's the Angels. They unfortunately have a tendency to do that with relievers. Yeah. Ryan Tapera, Everyone goes there. I mean, Rysel Iglesias was awful, goes to the Braves, just turns it on second half. It's People Wonder just go to the run. Angels. Anthony Rendon. I mean, it's ugh. so bad. And now they're in the market for a big shortstop, but I'm not going to get on that tangent right now. Um, okay, so we talked about lefties. Let's stay on that topic for our closing topic. <laughs> And that is Carlos Rodon, because Rodon has met with the Mets today, according to Zoom, um, uh, via Zoom, I should say, rather. According uh, to Zoom. Is Zoom, new sources? Zoom is I'm, the I'm, new I'm, source. I'm still yeah. cooped up over Andrew Shaven. I'm sorry. I'm still but, coughing. It's okay. <laughs> so Rodon met with the Mets here, and we'll see what comes of that. It makes sense. for They're doing their due diligence, obviously, because they have to weigh every single option out there among starting pitchers now. I do not believe that Rodon is a priority for the Mets the same way even a Justin Verlander is after Jacob deGrom um, or even a Kodai Senga. And I think a big factor into that really is that compensation pick. I think that naturally pushes the Mets aside. They they take a lot of pride in their draft picks because they do really well with them year after year. So as great as Rodon is, I'm not surprised if that's somewhat of a factor. However, he still is a fit for the Mets. And rotation-wise, he would be phenomenal for the Mets to not only just have a southpaw, but a reliable southpaw, a dominant one. Yes, David Pearson definitely had some great moments this past year, but he's still someone that we're we're trying to see if he's going to be a consistent guy because a lot of the times where he was get, given a start, it was against lesser opponents that we saw this past season. So having a truly dominant southpaw at the towards the top of your rotation would be beautiful for the Mets here. So uh, Rex, starting with you, what's your thoughts on Carlos Rodon? Because again, I do not think he's going to land in Queens as of now, but especially in the scenario where the Mets do not bring Jacob DeGrom back, which also I would say feels unlikely. Thankfully I can say that right now. Um, Rodon surely would be a phenomenal fit for this rotation injuries aside. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Carlos Rodon fan. Um, I think he's, in my opinion, he would be higher on the list than Justin Verlander as far as um, desirability. Uh, because realistically, to me, I, I know that I'm going to get at least a few years out of him. Like if I give this guy a five, six year deal, what, I mean, I don't know what he's going to command, but 
Um, maybe it's more than that. If I give him that, I know I'm going to get three, four years out of him that are going to be pretty darn good. I mean, this guy's dominant. You go look at his stats the last couple of years. He's been not just one of the best lefties in the game. And as starters, I don't really care that much about having righties and lefties. I mean, it's nice to have a lefty. Um, you know, you face a predominantly left-handed lineup in the playoffs. You want to have a guy go out there. I get it. Like, that's good. Um, I don't need it because if you're a great starting pitcher in the playoffs, you'll get guys out regardless. Um, but having a guy like Rodon would be fantastic. Um, his arsenal, the way he uses it, um, that fastball, the slider, there's nothing about him that I, I don't like. So uh, to me, he would be he would be high on that list. Um, I'm not going to say above DeGrom, just because when Jacob's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the world. But the fact that Rodon you know, seems to be past some of the injury history he's had. Um, you know, you, you got to reward that. The last two years, he stayed very healthy, and he has pitched awesome. And to me, that's that's all I need to see. I love this guy. I think he's a great fit for the Mets. Joe? Yeah, I think, you know, right after DeGrom, Rodon's the next option. I agree. I think he's better than Verlander. And, you know, even though Verlander, obviously, this year had a better season, maybe he turns in a better 2023. What are you going to give JV? A two-year deal? And then you're going to have Verlander and Scherzer depart at the same exact time and leave your starting rotation. At $40 million too. Like, Yeah. I mean, you're going to have two guys on the books for a combined like 85 mil the next two years each. And then you're going to have to start from square one, start from scratch when they're both gone in two years. I, I mean, I just don't think it's a good organizational move. I know the Mets are in very in a very win now mode, which I get. I appreciate. I want them to act and operate like that. But I think you can be in a win now mode with, you know, a four year deal to DeGrom, a five year deal to Rodon, uh, two years to Verlander, two more years to Scherzer. It just doesn't make sense to me. But unlike, you know, maybe last week or the week before on Believe in Queens, I'm feeling a lot right now like Jacob DeGrom is going to be back. And so, you know, again, it's great to meet with Rodon. They also met with Verlander. Meetings are meetings. They don't mean a whole lot. Uh, but I think, you know, you're not going to get both of them, right? I think you're going to get one of those three and then a Senga or a Bassett reunion as well. So right now I'm leaning towards a Jake combined with, you know, Senga slash Bassett um, along with Scherzer to round out the top three of the Mets rotation. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. Now, is anything impossible with Steve Cohen? No, of course not. Would I be absolutely, you know, shocked in disbelief if the Mets say brought back DeGrom and also got a Rodon? I wouldn't mean disbelief um, because anything's possible. However, I would be genuinely surprised i think we're under the mindset that it's probably just going to be one of those uh you know those big heads at the top and himself verlander and rodan uh but that would be ridiculous I, by the way if we had jake max and rodan as our top three oh <laughs> it's done it's done <laughs> that's uh, what else oh is there man and that's I think the I heard some part. of you guys saying that before this year started when we had Degrom and scherzer at the top of the rotation yeah just saying no you're right it's true it's true yeah you're right it's true. <laughs> Careful. Um, By the way, Ronnie Mauricio, I don't know if you guys saw this. Yes. He just obliterated a ball. Oh, like, he's just been sent, sent that thing it. to the stratosphere in the Dominican League. He's I mean, this guy, this guy can rake. I cannot wait to see what we get back when we trade him. Because he, he's just got no, he's got no spot on the team. Up, Joe. Uh, look, unless he up. can play center field this year at like an elite level, he's just got no spot on the team. What about third base? You know that for the first time in his pro career. He's playing third base a little bit. He's playing third base right now in the DR for the first time since being drafted by the Mets. So So I I like Beatty too. I'm not throwing Beatty out the door. I'm just. 
Yeah. I, I mean, and no, but we're going to need one of them. Uh, you know, I, I think Escobar, the way, you know, what was he, NL player of the month in September? I think Escobar has earned the, the opening day third baseman gig. Um, but, you know, this will probably be his last year as a Met. And then it's either Beatty or Mauricio. I just don't see both of them being on the team moving forward. Okay. Uh, two things real quick, and then we're going to wrap up the show because I don't want to hold up everyone too long, especially on YouTube after waiting like 40 minutes. I uh, do want to appreciate uh, uh, H-Train for the donation. Thank you so much. He asked real quick, do you think the longer things are slow, the more likely Nemo is going to end up elsewhere? And not Mets related, but did we see Abreu? Yes, we saw the Abreu move. Not surpri- I'm surprised that he went to the Astros, but I'm not surprised they didn't come to the Mets. I never thought the, Met- the Mets were going to land Abreu. I thought he was actually going to San Diego. He signs a three-year, $60 million, uh, million dollar deal with the Astros. Good move for them. Good, Happy for him. Love Abreu. I'm a casual White Sox fan, so I want to see him actually get a chance to win something, you know, for the first time in his career. Now he's going to have the chance to do that. Um, but Nimmo, that's a decent question. With things dragging out longer, is the likelihood of Nimmo parting greater? Um, Rex, starting with you, what's your thoughts on that? Because for me, at least... I think Nimmo, the Mets are prioritizing. They need to prioritize him. But his market price is truly going to be astronomical. And is that something that the Mets are going to be comfortably willing to do at, say, hypothetically, $130 million, like a Shinsu Chu type contract? Um, <coughs> excuse me. How many years are we talking at $130 million? <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like six, Sorry. right? At least six, I, yeah. Six, right? Um little over 20 million a year for one of the best center fielders in the game. I'm good with that. Like, I don't think that there is a world in which the Mets are better without Nemo in center field next season. Um, there's nobody else that can play center field and do what he does at the plate on the market, unless there's a trade that I'm just not seeing, but the Mets have said they don't want to part with any top prospects um, you know, for a move like that, especially at least right now, not yet. So I, I just, I don't see there being any other way. And with that, I think you got to assume Steve Cohen's going to make it happen. So that's, that's what I say. I, I, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere else, no matter how long it takes. I, I still think um, he's going to end up being a Met. What about you, Joe? I, I hope I'm hopeful. He's going to be a Met. I just, right now, I, I don't, it's scaring me. The silence is scaring me right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like you might get, you know, the, the Colorado Rockies specifically scare me because they have no plan, but they'll just spend stupidly. We saw with Chris Bryant, like the Rockies seem to throw money in weird places. They won't, you know, they won't lock up Arenado, who's a generational player, but then they'll go throw money at Chris Bryant with nothing around him and no plan in place. So I could see them, you know, coming in and, and offering more than the Mets potentially. Again, you know, if you want to win, I, I don't know why you'd go to Colorado, but not too far from where he grew up in Wyoming. Maybe they'll come in with 10, 20 more mil than the Mets will. I, I don't know, but the, the silence. I don't want to play center field in Colorado where you're going to have, I don't care if the pitching's faster. If there's a pitch clock, you're still going to have four hour games. You're still going to have high scoring games. You're going to have balls. You're going to be running all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Like I'm good. I'll go somewhere else. Like that was one thing. Honestly, it's funny because Daniel Murphy ended up in Colorado at some point, but I remember when he was a Met, towards the end of the year, I remember him saying we were in Colorado and he was like, I'm never, never going to sign with Colorado. Never. I would never <laughs> sign with Colorado. Just because he said like after the games, he felt like complete ass. Like he just couldn't recover. You're at 
a mile elevation and he couldn't recover and the games are longer and it's, it's hard on your body. Like that's stuff that goes on in guys' heads. Like it's actually yeah. a part of, you know, what they're thinking about come free agency time. So um, I, I just, I don't, I, Brandon's too smart for that. I, in my opinion, I don't know. I mean, he could end up there and maybe they make a push to do some competitive things. No, not going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's uh, to me, he's going to end up being a Met. There's uh, his market's going to be great, but I think I think he gets the overpay and stays here. I hope. I, I hope, man, because look, and I'll stand by this, even though right now I feel like DeGrom returning is more realistic. I'll stand by what I said a week or two ago, that Brandon Nimmo is more uh, more important to the overall success of this team than, than I think Jacob DeGrom is right now. I agree with that. Well, because realistically, you bring Nimmo back, and then I would love to have DeGrom. But if you don't, you have options that you can go with at that number one, number two, starting rotation guy. I, I don't like numbers, but, you know, whether it's Rodon, whether it's, I don't love Verlander, but whether it's Verlander. And it, I, I think that gives you the opportunity to, you know, if you do sign Nimmo to a bigger deal, mm-hmm. maybe you do think, okay, well, we can save a little bit of money on Carlos Rodon. And, but honestly, if you sign DeGrom, even though it's more money, you're going to make more money off of Jacob DeGrom because he's so marketable. Um, especially in this, especially in New York. So it's right. tough. It's, I, I just think there's an opportunity for them to bring both those guys back and still fill out the rest of this, rest of this roster. Like I said, find areas where you can, where you can skimp. The bullpen's a place where you can skimp. You don't need to go out and sign every big free agent. There's no guarantee they're going to be great. Build, build a bullpen the right way. You've actually got some prospects that showed a little bit of promise too, um, whether it was in the bullpen or not. What if Tyler McGill isn't in the starting rotation? Should he be in AAA starting? Yes, he should. But could you use him as a bullpen piece late in the year if you need to? Absolutely. Guys, Nat, I mean, he's really, really good. You saw him at times this year as a starter. He was filthy. I can only imagine that in the bullpen if he gets an opportunity to really try to do it. Um, that said, I would still love to see him in the rotation more than anything else. Wish we still had Colin Holderman, but, you know, it's a separate issue. Oh, put some respect on Vogie's name, damn it. He's I, I, lo- I love Vogie. Out here. I love Vogie, but I don't like the report that the Mets are going to do this internal DH crap again. Uh, oh. I'm sorry. You just you, you lose positions on the bench. But you don't need to go out and sign a DH, right? Like, can we at least agree on that? You don't need to go out and sign I love a Josh DH. Bell. You just sign right. depth. Sign depth. Yeah. And guys that can hit, guys that can play different positions. And then just rotate the DH. You already have DHs on the roster. Pete's a DH. Pete is a DH. So don't like kid yourself. He's a DH who plays first base. So why would you add more DHs to this roster? Vogie is a DH, obviously. Right. So if you add any more DHs to this roster, you are handcuffing yourself in ways defensively and on this roster that just don't make any sense. So to me, it's go out and find guys who put together great ABs, who, you know, can obviously put the bat on the ball who can pop some there's not a ton of those guys out there i get that brandon but get Drury? guys who are athletic you can move around what's up brandon Drury? would he would a reunion there be possible he can he can play I don't anywhere like it. i don't who, like who it. else fits the mold I like though it. i just don't see a lot of guys who like right now when, when i see that report i'm thinking they're they're leaning towards like alvarez or vientos they and are that scares me because yeah, that's v- vientos shouldn't be on a roster with pete and vogel back Vientos won't be on the roster. It'll be Alvarez, and he'll be either catching or basically a third catcher backup who's DHing, which is fine. Um, that's why Sherlock is in the role he is now as a catching coordinator slash running game 
coach, like preventer, whatever. I don't, I don't know what they called it, but <laughs> they're, they're going to do things to try to make it easier for Alvarez to work into that role, whether it's to start the season or as the season goes on. That's why they set Sherlock in that spot so that they can use him as a resource for Alvarez. Alvarez can use him as a resource to learn, to get better. Hopefully that that continues. And hopefully they work on his run too, because his run is just not pretty. The troll run. I got him off the wall behind <laughs> really me. Bad. I have high expectations for him and for good reason. He's going to be great. He's going to hit, man. He's going to yeah. hit. So that's you don't need any more DHs because he's going to be a DH on the roster too, realistically. I mean, whether he can catch or not, Nito will be back there catching a little bit. I don't know what they're going to do with McCann, but um, it's, it's going to be... the moon? Is, is that an option? I mean... You never know. For the amount of money you're paying him for the next two years, you you can afford it. You could just, just tell him to use his own money. Yeah. <laughs> launch him to the freaking moon. One last thing that I want to add here uh, that I think a lot of Mets fans should keep in mind with that initial report. Should that hold true that the Mets will stay internal for their DH? One, it does make a lot of sense given their young, promising talent. We want to see these kids get playing time, right? This is how you give them playing time in the one position where the Mets do not have a pure lock to be playing every day. Volgaback is not going to be playing every day because he struggles mightily against lefties. That's the reality. So let's not forget Mets fans. Just because they may stay internal with their DH does not mean that they're not going to add anyone offensively, okay? DH isn't the entire lineup. The Mets can still add to this lineup. It's just a matter on what would they do? What trades will we potentially be had? Is it possible that one of Escobar or Canna will be traded this offseason? Who knows? There's always uncertainty when it comes to this time of year for the Mets. They're going to be looking for upgrades in every position imaginable. That's what teams always do. It's just a matter of if anything is going to solidify. So, don't be surprised if the Mets do add a bat this offseason at minimum. The real question is, who's that going to be and where are they going to play? Because the Mets are making it clear that they are not going to prioritize a player strictly for a position that is not a position, if that makes sense. So uh, with that being said, Mets fans, I think that's all we got for this episode 34 of Believe in Queens. Stay tuned. We will probably be back yet again unless there's breaking news that we want to discuss together. Winter meetings is next week, so keep an eye. As of now, we're going to try to eye for next Tuesday during the winter meetings. That's going to be a fun episode of live show here on YouTube, so stay tuned for that. If anything changes, we'll keep you up to date on social media per usual. But, guys, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Hopefully, we'll be able to get more of your questions and shows going forward. Stay tuned for more content here on Wardy NYM per usual. Podcast aside, make sure to give it a rate review wherever you get your podcasts. Greatly appreciate. And from there, Anthony Recker, make sure you check him out at Anthony underscore Recker on social media and, of course, at MLB Network. Joe Sorrell at the Joe Sorrell on Twitter. Make sure to check him out as well with the Sorrell Sports Talk podcast. Speaking of the podcast, Joe, do you have any new exciting episodes coming up that people should know about? New episode tomorrow. It uh, launches at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with uh, Mike Golick Jr. It's going to be a fun one. A lot of great stories. I, uh, you guys aren't going to want to miss it. Awesome. Going to make sure to check that one out. And also, Yoshima, great member on the channel. Thank you for the donation. He says briefly, do y'all think a trade to reunite, uh, unite rather, the Diaz brothers is possible this offseason? I'll say it's possible, but I don't think it's likely just because I know that Alexis is going to come at a hefty price. That's why the Mets weren't able to land him at the trade deadline, but he would be amazing for this bullpen. There's no denying that. But thank you again for the dono. Thank you all so much for watching and listening, and we'll catch you guys later. Let's go Mets, baby. Peace out. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.